1: different images for you there. Guess what they'll be doing in Daytona in less than two hours. Well, yes, buying three tie-dye t-shirts on the beach for $10. I mean, that's a given, right? But they're also going to be racing. It is dual day and a couple of drivers by night's end will be feeling the love. Hello and welcome to the debut of NASCAR America's Motorsports Hour. This is the show with a little bit of everything. Yes, we'll talk NASCAR. But if you want IndyCar or Supercross, well then, this is the place for you. And in this place today, Steve Latart and AJ Allmendinger. Okay, I'm gonna put you guys on the spot right away. Did you get Trish and Tara Something nice for Valentine's Day.
2: All taken care of.
3: Good. I did that Good right man. away. Good man. Uh, well my wife has woken up in a motorhome in Daytona for the last 20 years, <laughs> so I'm off the hook. Basically, a cup of tea. is A yeah. cup of tea isn't and there were smiles. Yeah. Nice.
1: <laughs> well, our NBC Charlotte Studio is our home base, but we're going to join our friends Marty Snyder and Jeff Burton down in Daytona throughout the show today. So let's go right down there, guys. How you doing? Can we're you lovely, Krista. Of course. Okay. It was sunny and
4: beautiful earlier. I can hear you. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah, it's uh, although there's a band playing right here in Truck Series practice. Just a uh, very loud band playing right here. <laughs> it was sunny and beautiful all day long. Now it's cloudy, but we're getting ready for the dual sign. A very big night, Jeff. And I want to ask you something because Alex Bowman, William Byron, they got the they got the front row locked in last Sunday. But is it a more important duel for them than maybe ever? Because those are two guys who don't have a ton of experience drafting, and maybe they need to prove something to the rest of the field to earn some respect.
5: I think it's important for those guys to be able to run well and show guys that they can lead. They can run third, then find a way back to the lead. I think that's important. But perhaps even more important is to talk through the garage all day long has been a lot of people think those guys have their cars trimmed out big time. Yeah, right. And they right. don't think if they get back in the third or fourth or fifth, their cars are going to drive well. So not only are they going to be learning something themselves, but they're going to be teaching everybody else for the Daytona 500 how trimmed out your cars can be because these guys, it might be <laughs> just because – they beat them in qualifying. Yeah, they're right, trying right, to right. say, well, you know, they're they're better because they can't race. It may be that, but there's a lot of thought down here that they do not have cars that are going to drive good enough back in traffic. It
4: is tonight maybe more valuable than folks think, just to learn something for Sunday? Because and people forget, they haven't really drafted with the Daytona yeah. 500 cars.
5: I think it's huge. You've Gotta remember, there's some rule changes this year. I know that this is a lot like Talladega as far as the engine but the rear end rules are completely different. When I talk to the drivers, they say they drive different. There was a lot of concern about how the cars drove at Talladega because of the way the rear ends were underneath the cars, they've taken that away. And I think this is a great chance to learn how your car is going to drive in a 500. Think about it like this. What other race all year long do you get to run a race a few days prior to Good point. the real event? And, and it, you know, you, I heard earlier in the week people talking about maybe not even running. You know, you have a spot in the 500, don't take a chance of damaging your car. That is not a recipe for winning the Daytona 500. You got to do everything you can to win the 500. You can learn tonight to help you get done what you need to get done on Sunday. All right, our guy
4: Parker Klingerman racing against Ryan Truex tonight, and and I thought it was funny what Parker said to us on the show yesterday. He said, "I'm not really nervous, and I'm wondering if I should be a little more nervous than I actually am." What do you think? Chances are Parker gets it done. He's obviously a very good restrictor plate racer, having won Truck Series before at a restrictor plate track.
5: He's got his work cut out for him. He's got to do you know he's got to do some really good stuff, and he's got to have a he's got have some help to parker's one of four people of four, two of the four people are gonna go home he's one in that group so he's got to do good work tonight he's gonna have to race hard he's gonna have to be aggressive he's gonna have to get up and push the issue he's gonna have to force the issue and i'm telling you for years We've come to the Daytona 500 with people going home. I've been in that situation. Mm-hmm. I know AJ armendinger has been in that situation where you had to race your way in in the 150s, and I am telling you, it is stressful. It, I don't know when Parker said he wasn't stressed out, maybe wasn't. <laughs> shy, I don't know how that was, but for me, when qualifying got done and I knew I wasn't fast enough to be locked in, I was nervous all the way up until the 150s, and it gets worse when you get ready to get in the car. Now, once you get in the car and you fire that thing up, then you you get mission you know you you get mission locked. And then as the race changes, you've got to adjust to what you got to do based on what the situation is around you. Look for Parker to be really aggressive. He's going to have to be to get in.
4: And it's a little more complex than Parker versus Ryan Truex, yeah. isn't it? I mean, there's a little bit more involved here. You didn't tell me there was math involved.
5: <laughs> I don't like math. Uh, but, yes, you know, because of – you know, the top 30s to top 38 are all locked in based on the qualifying, the front, the front first two positions. And then all the all the rest of them are all based on charters. Then it goes on finish position. Then it goes on speed. So Parker could actually finish in front of Truex but still not make this mm. race. So he's got his work cut out for him. He's up for it, though. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a good race car driver, really good plate racer. So he's up for it.
4: Krista, that's why you have Steve there with you, because he can figure out all the math and all the scenarios tonight for the duels.
1: Yeah, you guys said math. AJ and I both shook our heads no. Steve's got out his calculator and started getting to work. Of course, they, they do duel tonight at 7 p.m. on FS1. And don't forget, the 61st running of the Daytona 500 is this Sunday on Fox. And we're going to go back to the guys in a little bit. But, AJ, exactly what Jeff was talking about. You've been in that position before. How far into your stomach does that pit sit watching those duel races when you know your, your starting position depends on it. I want
2: to know how Parker basically <laughs> decided that he's not nervous because I can tell you from the moment that I would qualify Sunday and knew I wasn't in on speed, I was sick all the way until Thursday. And that was just the, the nerves. The first two years I did it, there was over 60 cars. So there was so much going on. The third year that I did it with Petty Motorsports, I had five races lined up for that year, the beginning of the year. I wasn't locked in. Raced my way in. And that turned into where I almost won the Daytona 500, finished third. That kicked off another three races for me after that. And then I just kind of turned that into the rest of the season. So one race, the Daytona 500, made my season and honestly maybe made my career because if I didn't keep that job, I don't know if I would have had another ride in NASCAR. So it's a huge thing for those really six drivers. We know two of them are locked in. But for those four drivers that have to race their way in, they're nervous. And if you look at those four teams that they're on, those guys, Brendan Gaughan, Joey Gase, Parker Kligerman, and Ryan Truex, they're all small teams, so this could make their whole season.
3: Yeah, I mean, the math is real simple. Kligerman has to outrun both Redick and Truex to guarantee a spot. Joey Gase has to outrun Mears and Gaughan. They have to, to guarantee a spot. But I'm going to go back to what they said at the start of the conversation, and that is what are the duels for? We know that it sets the field for the Daytona 500, but these cars have been impounded, as they said, a lot of conversation about that, but the big thing is, 15 years ago, 12 years ago, AJ, you, you've seen this. it'd be 20, 25 car draft all the time, no problem, in practice. Now, no one practices. So it seems like the duels are really the best and perhaps only time. I know it's in the evening, which makes it a little bit different. But all these different rules tweaks, I'll say. They're very small, but they affect how you set up the car. I think tonight might be the best and only chance to see how your car stacks up.
2: Wow. And really, it, it would depends on what you feel like your backup car is, right? Because I always knew over the last five years, my primary car was by far better than my backup car. So it was really how aggressive did I wanna be in the duels? And as a team, were we on the same page of what our goals were in those duels? If you feel like you have a car that's just as good as your primary, then send it. Go try to win this race.
3: Well, so, Well, I was what, gonna say, I think the most important thing is being on the same plan. So Jeff, you and I have had this conversation before. If I was your crew chief, or I, when I was Dale's crew chief, or Jeff Gordon's crew chief, we spent some time together At this point of the day, to make sure my driver understood what the goal was tonight. Was it to learn? Was it to take risk? I always said the goal was to get the trophy. The other car was just as good. In your days as a driver, how did you approach the 150s?
5: Yeah, I wanted to learn. I always thought it was best to use the 150s to learn to make it better for the 150 for for the 500. And I think the best way to do that is go out and race. Now you don't want to go out and take an unbelievable chance to finish fifth instead of sixth. That's silly to do in the 150s. But you got to be aggressive. You got to push the car so you can understand what it can and cannot do. And you know, a lot of times, Steve, you said it. You have a plan going into the race, but they drop that green flag and the driver sees the checkered flag coming and. Your plan goes out the window because he wants to win, and you're sitting there doing, ah, stop, don't do that. But, you know, that's what happens when drivers get out there, and even teams. I've seen teams change in midstream saying, hey, man, we got a chance to win. Let's let's go after it. So uh, best laid plans, right? They always go away. But, uh, yeah, I think it's really important for the crew chief, the team, the spotter, the driver to all be in line. And really, the spotter, like, he's a guy that can keep everybody calm. He's a guy that can get the driver back on plan. But, Steve, I really believe racing tonight is in your best interest to win the Daytona 500.
3: Chris, the plans go out the window when drivers (laughs) tighten their helmet. I don't know what it is right here. There's some sort of blood flow to the brain. They go crazy. Well,
1: and remember, they've been sitting around all winter just waiting for this moment, you know, to get back in a car and get racing. All right, so Marty and Jeff are not going to go far because we're going to check back in with them. We have plenty more from Daytona throughout our show. It's motorsports hour, including a chance to hear from one of the drivers, who spent the off-season relocating. How is Diego Suarez liking his new home? And what is his newest form of transportation? Oh, he's telling Marty right there. Oh, I just just guessed what it is. And it's Valentine's Day, love is in the air. Or is that just a high-octane ethanol blend? Sorry about that. Your favorite driver couldn't possibly know what it's like to have a bad date, right? Yes, again they have stories to tell and this is the motorsports hour so we're going to talk about other forms of racing too did you know some of your favorite stock car drivers schedule their saturday nights on two wheels sort of we'll explain Are you ready to ride? Toothless and Hiccup are back for their third and final chapter of their epic adventure. Jay Baruchel and America Ferreira star in DreamWorks Animation's How to Train Your Dragon, The Hidden World. It's flying into theaters February 22nd. And if you know those movies, then you know Toothless is a night fury dragon, night fury dragon, one of the fastest in the skies. NASCAR's best will push 200 miles per hour tonight at Daytona. Of course, they prefer to stay on the ground. That's true, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. As we enter the 2019 season, several Cup Series veterans are in new rides, including past series champions, Kurt Busch and Martin Truex Jr. Also getting a fresh start, Daniel Suarez. He's replaced Bush at Stuart Haas Racing, hopes to live up to high expectations. Marty Snyder, he's a busy guy down in Daytona. He spoke with Suarez a few moments ago.
4: Well, Chris, I found Daniel Suarez, who always has a smile on his face. We'll ask him about tonight and racing in the duels. And it's funny, Jeff and I were talking about this earlier in the show. How critical is tonight to learn something
6: for Sunday? You know, I, I've been talking about this pretty much for a couple of days. It's, tonight's race, for me, is more about to be aggressive, to know how much you can push your car, you know, because... Think about this, we haven't, we haven't been in the draft on these race cars. Yeah. on the Daytona 500, no, just in the class race, but in class race car but no on this one. So we have to push a little bit to see where we're at, learn about the car, learn how much we have to tell cruise ships to fix the car and when and where. So I feel like that is going to be the most important part, to know exactly how good or how bad you are. The same position, obviously, is extremely important. But for me, it's most important to know exactly where you are on with your race car. We
4: talk about you having a smile on your face. I know you had one earlier today when you went up with the Thunderbirds. How was the experience? Well, I had I had one like this.
6: <laughs> yeah, that was more than a smile. Yeah, that was more than a smile. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. It's I think once in a life. Yeah. experience you know you're going extremely fast crazy moves i will say something i have a lot of respect for those guys the way they do it you know i feel like i'm a very fit guy i was heading that way you know what well, i'm going to be just perfectly fine perfectly fine i won't you know i won't throw up i won't pass out the guy that actually did my right he was pretty aggressive and uh, and everyone was telling me daniel this guy you're you you are done so in the middle of the flight, I had to tell the guy, hey, just give me a minute to, to calm down, to relax, and then we go again because I feel like if he were continuing on the speed with the turns and everything that we were doing, yeah. I was going to be out oh. in one point or the other. But I made, it, I made it clean, so that's
4: good. Glad you survived it. All right, let's get back to racing, and let's talk about the Stuart Haas Fords because obviously at Talladega last fall, we saw them work together so well. Has that already been talked about? Tough to do tonight. Kevin Harvick's the only one in your duel, but has that plan already been worked on for Sunday?
6: We haven't yet. I feel like uh, the most important part for now is to concentrate on tonight's race, the duels, know where we're going to be, learn about the race car, we're going to have plenty of time during uh, Friday and Saturday to to get some meetings and to talk about the race car, to see how good or how bad is driving and make adjustments and, uh, and then make an strategy together to, to work together, but, uh, but for now it's everything about the duels, learn about the car. We are by ourselves pretty much. We have two cars in one duel, two yeah. cars in the other, and uh, hope for the best. Well, you,
4: and you come from the Toyota camp. There are only five cars to work with. It's a completely different ball game with all those Fords to work
6: with, isn't it? It feels so much different, man. I, I'm telling you. It just feels so much different. Actually, I remember that last year in the duel, I was the only Toyota yeah, in my yeah. duel, But that wasn't so much fun. But, uh, you know, now it's a little different. Uh, you know, the 41 Ford Mustang yeah. is pretty, pretty strong, at least... At least uh, the car I had in the class was I was impressed. So I said, my, I said to Billy in my cruise ship I said hey, Billy we can have a, a, a car just, just like the class we're going to be just fine. So uh, I'm, I'm extremely excited. I can't wait for tonight's race and uh, let's go out there to have some fun. And he starts
4: 11th and duel number one Krista, which many people think that duel is the toughest one out there.
1: Can't wait to watch it. it's coming up uh, in just uh, a couple of hours. So tonight they duel at Daytona, but it's also Valentine's Day, a celebration of love. But even for big-time race car drivers, things don't always smell sweet. Literally. Coming up, NASCAR drivers share dating moments they wish they could forget.
2: Worst date? Mm-hmm.
7: <laughs> um, so. What do I do with hot wax everywhere? I felt so good after doing <laughs> Good for you. I'm probably sharing too much. This is way
3: more than I thought was going to be here. Thank you for that honesty.
1: all those ports every time I see that. Here in Charlotte, it's NBA All-Star weekend. Busy time to be in the Queen City, but NASCAR's All-Stars are all in Daytona tonight, racing on track times two. Four spots in the Daytona 500 are reserved for drivers on non-chartered teams. Xfinity Series champ Tyler Reddick and Casey Mears took two of those spots last weekend in qualifying. That leaves just two spots up for grabs. Those two are decided tonight in the duel and our own Parker Kligerman is one of the guys trying to race his way into the show.
2: Today's odd because it's like I slept as late as I could, I worked out, I had lunch, and it was still only like 2 o'clock. So I was like, this day is so slow, uh, which has been a little annoying and probably added an, a bit of nerves. But I'm ready to go. I think I just feel so prepared. I feel ready to uh, go out there, learn this draft, make the right moves, and get ourselves in the Daytona 500. And, and uh, I'm just, I haven't been able to think about literally anything else other than this race for the last 24 hours. So I'm ready to get this over and do it.
1: I believe it. Did you guys understand what I meant by tripping over the cords? Uh, Did you see? If you're paying attention, that animation. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. In case you're, you know, I just put a check mark. In case you're keeping track of. it. I know you used to work
3: with Kyle, but we pay attention. (laughs) Okay, thank you.
1: Thank you. Uh, He pays attention just in a whole different way. (laughs) Okay, so what will we see tonight? We just heard from Parker. Obviously, he's trying to avoid the heartbreak. But what kind of racing are we going to see tonight?
3: I think that's the big question. In the clash, we saw uh, it get single file around the top. I do expect to see that some tonight. Um, I just think... Guys want to safely get to the point on old tires where they can then see how good their car is. The best way to do that, is single file. I also think some of that phenom- phenomenon, yeah, I yeah, got it yeah, now, yeah, happens when teammates are up front. When that second place car doesn't want to pass the leader, it drags it to the top. The concern I have for someone like Parker is everyone in the race is racing to learn about their car and try to win the race, except for these other three guys. They're going to try to make the race, and I don't think anyone in the back of the field really cares what Parker Kligerman is going to try to do, right, AJ? So my question is, as a driver, when you're back there 6th, 8th, 10th, 12th in this field, you know, do you think about any of that when a guy makes a move? Or do you say, well, I'm not going to risk that. I'm just going to stay in line.
2: Yeah, and I think really what it comes down to is the fact that at the start of the race, I think we're going to see guys get aggressive. They're going to see what their cars feel like. We're going to see side-by-side, maybe three-wide racing. And then at some point, you're right. It is going to go to single-file racing. But what Parker has to worry about and Ryan Truex and Brendan Gaughan and Joey Gase, you know, Tyler Reddick and, yeah. and Casey Mears, they can be a little bit cautious. Is the fact when it does go to single file, their cars weren't very fast in in qualifying. So they can't get left at the end of the draft because if they lose the draft, that could make or break whether they get in the race or not. So those are the things that those four drivers really have to focus on is trying to be aggressive early, but not over-aggressive. But no, you gotta get a sensation. You kind of get a feel, like all of a sudden everybody starts sliding to the top of the racetrack. There's a couple of cars that get hung out. You can't be those cars that get hung out because, say, either Parker or Ryan, one of them gets hung out and they lose the draft and the other one doesn't. It's just made their race that much easier to get in, especially if a caution doesn't happen. And then with five to go, I think you see everybody get aggressive because at the end of the line, there's still a trophy, and they're still driving into victory lane at Daytona International Speedway. All right, so, so
3: on the spot, nervous. everybody has a favorite. Are you a first duel or a second duel guy? Which would you rather be in? Uh, first. I hated I hated uh, okay, sitting I'm there you. watching this, the, the, the
2: first duel and then having that just build no. up. I'm, like Parker said, I've been get ready all day. Way. Yeah, that's right.
1: Just <laughs> <a, laughs> get it out of the way. Yeah, I'm a first
3: duel guy, too. we the <laughs> first nerve-wracking duel. Nerve-wracking,
1: no matter what. Oh, my goodness. For a driver not making the field for the Daytona 500, about as bad as it gets. But for those of you who maybe don't know, what it's like to drive a race car for a living, how could we put a bad day into perspective? Well, last year, Rutledge Woods sat down with drivers in uncomfortable chairs. This year, he invites them to his basement. Awkward, That's Awkward. weird. Since it's Valentine's Day, Rut asked your favorite NASCAR drivers about their worst date ever.
7: Tell me about the
3: worst date you ever went on. All right, so my first date, was with now my wife okay we were 16 years old my first date she shows up she's 16 she has her family with her so then I had to go to Chili's with the family because I had to get approval for the family to go to the movies later we watched the pursuit of happiness with uh, Will Smith which we didn't really watch much of the movie we were talking most of it and uh, and at that point I had my first kiss Oh, look at you. And I kissed her, and she looked at me and laughed. (laughs) Because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And that
7: was, uh, and the rest is history. Look at us now. Dude, good for you. Look at us now. High school prom, uh, my sophomore year, and there was a girl that I really wanted to take, and I kind of kept pressing her, and she just kind of kept putting it off. Finally, I got her to give in, so we go there, anyway, and you could just tell she really wasn't that interested. And then it gets down towards the end of the night, and it's like, so I see her, and she's with my best friend. And she's dancing with him. And I say, hey, what's, what's up? Well, like, she's like, well, I'll be honest with you. I really wanted him to ask me to the prom, but he didn't, so I just went with you. And so that stunk.
5: There was a, a particular female Uh, that wanted to go to a regional baseball game Hmm. and uh, I was like, well, you know, I'll get the tickets meet you there and uh, She was like, no, I'll get the tickets, you know, it was in her hometown I was like, okay, maybe she knows somebody, you know, whatever instead of meeting me prior to the game I like got the email with the ticket so come to find out uh, I watched, like, half the game by myself. <laughs> Luckily, she showed up, but that had potential to be the top of the list there. she. I mean, that's... Still pretty bad, though.
3: Right, because then you feel like, well, yeah. did you just want me to go watch...
5: You wanted me to go watch this baseball game by myself, which I did. Because you said great, I'll be there. Great ball game. I
8: bet it was. It was. Caitlin, when she was pregnant with Owen, um, yeah, she's going through the whole morning sickness stuff. So we go to... The casino there, it's got this steakhouse in it, and, you know, we're sitting at the table. We just ordered our dinner, and, like, she's sitting there, and you can see, like, she's starting to get sick. She's just like, (sighs) and then, like, grabs her napkin and, like, throws up over the napkin, under the napkin, on her lap. So it's like the table is full of puke. And you know, this is before I like made a lot of money. So like an expensive steak, like I'm gonna sit there and eat this steak. It was disgusting, but I
2: ate a good steak.
7: Well, I wouldn't call it a date. It was me and some buddies.
2: This girl had been messaging us Mm. um, and like, oh, we're gonna have some people over for the Super Bowl, see if she wants to come. Her picture was not exactly her.
9: Janet Jackson, girl got out of the car looking like Freddie Jackson. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I think we'd call that
3: catfish.
5: Yeah, before like it was like really a thing. Tried to take this girl out, and my car broke down. But we're not far from her house, and she's like, uh, "My dad can uh, <laughs> Come help pick you." Me up. Yeah. Oh, and then no. the dad's like, "Oh man, I thought you were a car guy." I'm like, "Eh, yeah."
8: Mm-hmm. I got a fake
2: phone called one time. You know what that is? No. Like, we're out on a date, and she faked the phone call. I was like, "I got to go." I'm like Just tell me you got to go. Tell me you're not having a good time. I was having a great time. It was
5: fine. And I knew it was fake. Like, you know when it's fake. It's like, what are the odds of someone calling you right half now. an hour into this and with something so urgent that you have to leave? And I stayed. I had dinner. It was great by myself. Honey. You stayed? Yeah, I'm not going to leave. We already sat down.
3: Good for you. Yeah, thanks, That's- man. So, two things. <laughs>
7: There's a lot of one,
3: I think I see why Blaney and Chase get along so well because he watched the whole baseball game without his date and Blaney wasn't going to leave dinner. And two, I've had some bad dates, but there's not a chance I'm going to sit down and tell Rutledge on or off camera.
1: That was my thought, is these guys are telling Ru- everything.
3: Hey, I'm just, hats
2: off to Kyle Larson. I mean, man wants a, a man wants a steak. I mean, He's going to eat a steak. Like, now. I'm sure his wife is very happy that he told that story now. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. We'll make sure we yeah. get a good cut for yeah. that
3: and uh, we'll get that. Uh, yeah. Out so, in the, and that's world. what
1: we have to look forward to this season: is conversations like that in Rut's basement.
3: Who knew? Now, On all sorts of topics. I, now, I feel like I feel bad that I badmouthed the basement. You know, I mean, it was <laughs> Rutledge's basement. I didn't think anything good could happen there, but I'm going to give an A plus. You know, no one can sit back in a chair and look like he's doing nothing and yet do something quite mm-hmm. like Rutledge would. Is it
1: the deer tapestry behind the drivers or the transistor radio sitting? What, what is the best prop of? Maybe that's a conversation to have. I think we got
2: we got to see more of it. We got to see more of Ruts, basically, unless he doesn't sing karaoke because we had that during the IMSA race and that was not good. No. It didn't work. No. It
3: didn't you, work.
1: you like karaoke.
3: Yeah, just not, not like
1: not that, not, that not like that. All right. Hey, let me give
3: you a little TV rookie help. If you see on your schedule anything with Rutledge, <laughs> be prepared for some <laughs> odd questions.
1: Coming up, hey, you ready to trade fenders for open wheels? Four wheels for two? Yes, the show is called NASCAR America, but it's the Motorsports hour. Second in popularity, by the way, only to happy hour. That's official. So we're going to shift gears and talk about other forms of racing. We'll tell you why Supercross is hotter than ever and teenagers are turning heads in IndyCar. That's coming up next. Welcome back to the Motorsports Hour, your chance to hear and see all forms of racing, your official home of Motorsports, NBC, with over 1,000 hours of coverage in 2019. Our NASCAR race coverage starts June 30th at Chicagoland and runs all the way to the championship in November at Miami. We will also have... The full IndyCar season starting March 10th in St. Petersburg and on May 26th, the Indy 500 comes to NBC for the first time. Okay, IMSA started its season last month with the Rolex 24 at Daytona. We were there and we are still drying out, but it was awesome. They're back March 16th in the 12 hours of Sebring, And there's plenty of two-wheel racing in store. Right now, Monster Energy Supercross, they're having an incredible battle for the championship. Ralph Shaheen and Ricky Carmichael take us up through the gears, get us caught up with the season so far.
9: The key word of the 2019 Monster Energy Supercross season has been parity. Justin Barsham wins the season opener in the rain in Anaheim. Blake Baggett on the four gets career win number one at round number two in Arizona then number three, Eli Tomac, paddles his way through the mud to win in San Diego for his first of the season. The only rider to win more than one is number two, Cooper Webb. And he's actually won three times, including this past weekend, in the frigid temperatures in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Ricky Carmichael, you've said the Webb Wagon is the one that we should all be jumping on.
8: The web wagon is rolling and I was the first guy to jump on it. No one else wanted to come with me, but he has established his himself as the guy in this series, even though he's not in the even though he's not leading the series.
9: Well what's he doing so different this year than in years past?
8: Well he changed team to the Red Bull KTM. He's got a whole new training regimen, and I think that's been a key change for Cooper Webb. And look at his results. The guy's been the only guy to win multiple times this year. And he's going to keep it rolling as we go to the next few races.
9: We have two factory riders in Ken Rocks for Honda, and Marvin Muskan, Cooper's teammate at Red Bull KTM. They haven't won yet, but they're both within striking distance of the championship. How important is it that they win and win soon?
8: Yeah, they got to crack, crack off a win here pretty soon, Marvin or Ken. I don't know. I, I th- you know what? I think that Marvin is going to get a win first. I really believe that he's been consistently fast, and I just feel that Ken has been in the position where he's been able to win a race, and he hasn't been able to do that. So I'm, I'm going with Marvin
9: no What's wrong with Roxon then?
8: He's just, he, he just isn't able to close it. He's been in a position a couple times this year. One at Anaheim. Uh, during the triple crown, he wasn't able to seal the deal. And then last weekend in San Diego, he wasn't able to seal seal the deal. He crashed like the first lap and then let Marvin Muscan go by him uh, right at the end. You just can't make those kind of mistakes and I uh, just he just can't close it.
9: But he is the points leader, and he'll have the red plate. As we go on to Texas, you can see how tight it is, though. and Webb, Tomac, Muskin, only two points separating these four riders. It's been an incredible battle so far with six races in the books. And we now go to round seven, home of the Dallas Cowboys. AT&T Stadium down there in Arlington, Texas, Saturday night, live on NBCSN,
1: 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Okay, so if you're a new Supercross fan or maybe don't follow it, here's why you should. Because in the NASCAR garage, they all do. I remember I used to cover Supercross and they would all, every week, they'd be like, hey, what happened last week? Or that happened. I mean, they all follow it.
2: Yeah. And, it, you know, for me, I mean, that was that was the form of racing I wanted to go do. Really? I started off in BMX bicycles when I was five years old and Supercross was always my favorite form of racing. Uh, about eight years old, I said, I'm, I'm ready to do this on a motorcycle. My mom said, Yeah. <laughs> That's not happening. That so, was the end of your but Supercross But it's career. always been my favorite type of racing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Saturday night, NBCSN, that's pretty much, it's a lock. That's where I'm going to be.
1: Yeah, it's an awesome show. And, and again, because what, what Ralph and Ricky were talking about, you know, in years past, you kind of had like the big three of NASCAR. You know, you had Ricky Carmichael or Chad Reed or even recently Ryan Dungey. You don't have that right now. There's sort of so much parody, it seems like, in the season.
2: Yeah, and it's, you know, Supercross, you always... Usually you get, you know, a few winners early on in the season, but you get two or three standout riders that just tend to dominate the season. And, and by midseason on, they usually are the runaway points leaders. But as we see right now, you know, Cooper Webb was a guy over the last couple seasons. He's been injured. He struggled, went to KTM this year as Marvin Muskin's teammate mm-hmm. and was kind of, I thought, maybe just going to play second fiddle. And all of a sudden he's won. Three races, three, yeah. and really what's hurt him is he just been a little bit inconsistent. Eli Tomac is a guy that's probably got the most raw speed out of everybody, but his is all based on starts. If he struggles on starts, he has a bad main, so he's been inconsistent. And then you get Ken Roxon and Marvin Muskin. They haven't won yet, but they're really consistent, and I think Ken Roxon especially, he's had two just horrific injuries over the last two seasons that he's coming back from. He just hasn't got over that hump. He's had chances to win races, but he makes a mistake or gets passed with a couple to go. I really feel like if he wins a race, all of a sudden that's just kind of get the burden off the shoulders, and all of a sudden he's going to start to dominate. But right now, as we saw in the points, four riders separated by two points. Yeah. There's really no standout. It's uh, Every weekend is a, a new race, new exciting format, so it's... Uh, I'm looking forward to it.
1: I'm glad you mentioned Ken Roxon because yeah, I mean, crazy freakish, like really severe injuries, but yet here he is back and he's been on the podium. I mean, he's he's so close right now. And do you feel like if he if or when he gets that win, it's sort of the floodgates open?
2: Yeah, because up until his, his injury two years ago, I mean he was by far the oh, guy with the most We're just raw watching speed. This. this one here, he gets his arm stuck in the spokes. Yeah, and this just, is the one didn't he almost just,
1: have to have his arm Yeah. It, it's
2: so what he's come back from, right. I can't even understand and fathom what he's had to deal with injury-wise. I just feel like he just needs to get over the hump because he's just right. He's got four podiums. Mm-hmm. He's so consistent. That's why he's leading the points. No wins, four podiums. I think maybe his worst finish is fourth or fifth. So he's right there. When he gets that win, it's just going to, as I said, it's going to unload him. It's going to free him up a little bit. I think a ton more are going to come from it.
1: And you were talking a little earlier in the day about the 250 class, and I know they just started on the, on the East Coast portion of the schedule and there's a rider really out there to kind of keep our eye on.
2: Yeah, the, the 250 East Coast class is stacked, but Austin Faulkner, he's been up and coming the last two years. He's won a race, kind of just didn't have the consistency. He had that young rider mentality. He was either kind of checkers or wreckers. Yeah. Well, he went last weekend in Minneapolis and just dominated the race. So I really look forward to him over the rest of the season. On the West Coast side, Adam Cianciorella, which is. Semi, quasi his teammate at uh, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, he's been dominating on on that side of it. Same deal. He's either won or fallen down, but... Those two guys for for that team right now are are, uh, young stars for the future. And
1: now we know why we can't do conference calls on Saturday nights because A.J.'s (laughs) watching Supercross. Now we know. Spring training isn't just for baseball. IndyCar had its own version this week. and 18-year-old rookie, Colton Herta turned a lot of heads. We're going to hear from him next. Plus, Steve. Yes, Steve is still here. He's not really working that hard. Oh, yes, he is. He's going to explain why that isn't your everyday milk bottle. week, IndyCar held its spring training test at Circuit of the Americas in Austin, Texas, and fresh off a class win in the Rolex 24 at Daytona, IndyCar rookie Colton Herta has a continued to impress. Look at that. Lee Diffie caught up with the 18-year-old sensation.
7: Well, guys, how's this for a scenario? You're 18 years old. You go to the Rolex 24 at Daytona for the very first time, racing a factory BMW, you win, you get a free Rolex wristwatch, then you come to an IndyCar test here, at circuit of the Americas, and for the first three sessions, you are quickest. Kind of sounds like a dream, doesn't it? But it's reality for Harding Steinbrenner's Colton Herter. That's a pretty good start to the year.
8: Yeah, not bad. I know we're, we're kind of taking it in strides and, and, you know, obviously super happy with the work that the boys have done. We
2: weren't sure if the car was going to get here in time for this test. Uh, they worked day and night to get it ready and
7: got it shipped off in time and we're here and we're running well. You so, uh, I don't want to say so easily, but you could have been the Indy Lights champion last year. You had a great uh, scrap with Pato Award. You ended up finishing runner-up in that. You made your NTT IndyCar Series debut at Sonoma last year. That was a bit of a rough run, you know, back in the pack. What's the transition been like? And and then you're sitting atop the field. I know it's only testing, but how is everything coming together?
8: Yeah, I think, you know, based on Sonoma, I kind of knew what to expect from the car. Obviously, Sonoma is no easy track to jump into an Indy car. But coming into this race or test, we kind of knew what to expect. I knew what to expect from the car, having driven it before. And that was a big game changer. Um, A lot more runoff,
7: a lot more area for mistake, unlike Sonoma. So you can be a bit more bold. And uh, that's kind of what I've been trying. It's a pretty amazing story, guys, at 18 years of age. This has been an incredible start to the year for Colton Herter. The only way it gets better is that he turns up to the opening race of the 2019 NTT IndyCar season at St. Petersburg in Florida, which you'll see right here on NBCSN on March 10 and wins. We'll see if he can do that.
1: Just 18 years old. And we think of the IndyCar season, especially the Indy 500. I know you're geeked because as a NASCAR guy, going to the Indy 500 was never an option for you as a crew chief.
3: Yeah, I've never made it. Never made it to the brickyard for the Indy 500. I've obviously been there for all the NASCAR races. And that place is so special. It's just instant when you walk in what that place is about. And I've seen the pageantry on TV most of the time from Charlotte, preparing for the Coca-Cola 600, that I am super excited. Not only is it back on NBC, but I'm going to be up there I think I'm going to drag my old buddy Dale, Ju- Dale Jr. up there. We got to go to the Rolex this year. So um, as a motorsports fan, I'm now a big fan that NBC yeah. has all these different series because I get to see them all.
1: Well, and storylines to watch. I know there's a ton of them in IndyCar, but really there's... I guess if you're going to watch one guy, who is it?
3: Yeah, it's Scott Dixon.
2: I mean, this... And if we're equating it to NASCAR, he's the Jimmy Johnson of IndyCar. He's got five championships. And the way he goes about it, he just does it quiet. He's not... He doesn't he's not loud about it. He doesn't go out there and, and ruffle feathers. He just goes and does his job every time he's on the racetrack. And whether Ganassi's at their best or they're not very good, he somehow gets that car to the front. And it's just so impressive. And, you know, his nickname's the Iceman because that's really what he is. And I you know, he's just honestly underrated. I mean, for it's hard to say that, but I always felt like Jimmy Johnson's the same way. Seven time champ. Mm-hmm. It's underrated. What he does in the IndyCar series to have five championships and be the guy every year there is so impressive to me.
3: Yeah, well, I was able to go to the Rolex, you and I were down there, and I spent some time with Dixon both the uh, media day and then again during the race. And And that's exactly what came across, very unassuming. We point blank asked him, you know, what's your role in this car? And remember, this is a guy that goes and wins IndyCar championships and Indy races, and he said, and. I'm going to use a cleaner version of the quote, I just don't mess it up for the other two. And, and that's really, think about that. Someone who is at the absolute top in their game, in their series, to come over there, humbly take the third driver role, I think says a lot about him. I'm excited to see the entire series because it's filled from veteran to youth. I think that much makes any great series. It's got to have that youth Pushing some of those yeah. veterans. And the thing that won- he
2: won't mention is when he gets in the car, he's usually the fastest out yeah. of the whole team.
3: The great ones don't have to. Yeah. Right? yeah, that's how it is. I know
1: the motorsports hour thing, you can kind of get thirsty a little bit, but you, you brought your own milk?
3: Well, you know, when I figure uh, it's supposedly the best tasting thing to ever have in Indianapolis, so you can't have it. Uh, we can have it just sit here, but I'm not going to drink it. But I would say that, um, you know, 72 people. 72 72 different names have won the Indianapolis 500 and tasted that milk in victory lane. So uh, there's something special about it. I still have nightmares because of that from 2013,
2: leading the Indy 500 for Roger Penske, and my seatbelt came Mm. undone and had to pitch. Some of
1: the allure, though, of something like that. I'm sorry. But but what this is, I do want to say, so this is is so special because these bottles are going out to promote, obviously, the Indy 500. We're just 100 days. I think tomorrow marks 100 days away from the Indy 500, so you can't get this this special bottle with the logo, everything. I may we steal have one. it
2: as we leave here. I know, so you know. well, we'll just yeah. kind of set it here,
1: mm-hmm. see? <laughs> All right, so it's time for our Motorsports Star of the Week. I don't even know, you, do you each have one?
2: Uh, well, I have one. I don't know if it's of this week, but you know, since this is our first show, okay. I'm going back to Fernando Alonso. Because like what he has done, winning the Rolex 24 hours of Daytona this year, winning the 24-hour Le Mans, being an F1 world champion twice, this will be his second attempt at the Indy 500. If he wins this, he does something Oof. that only two other drivers have done: winning those four races or
3: winning those three races and a Formula One championship. Yeah, I mean, there, you can't take away from a global level what he's doing. I'm going to bring it right back to NASCAR, right back to my roots. And I'm going to pick the young driver, William Byron, sitting on the pole for the Daytona 500. I know it's a lot about the machine in Daytona, more than just the man behind the wheel. But I think teamed up with Chad Canals. Chad Canals took Jimmy Johnson to sit on the Daytona 500 pole in 2002, their first race together. Once again, you pair these two up, they get set on the Daytona 500 pole. So I think William Byron's the guy because not only the success, but how he's handled the rough. Last year was rough. Yeah. Never a word, always upbeat. I look for big things out of William Byron.
1: So 17 years apart, Chad Knauss does the same thing. William Byron was, what, four? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Put it in perspective, sorry. (laughs) We're going to wrap up the Motorsports Hour with another check from Daytona with Jeff Burton and Marty Snyder, plus our fantasy picks for Sunday's Great American Race. That's coming up next here on the Motorsports Hour of NASCAR America. In just three days, we will know who joins the legends who have won the Daytona 500, including Richard Petty with a record seven victories, and Benny Parsons who won in 1975. We mention them because last month, some of the King and VP's most meaningful cars rolled onto the auction block as Mecham Auctions held its annual meet in Kissimmee, Florida.
9: From the Osceola Heritage Park in Kissimmee, Florida, it is the biggest event on the Mecham calendar. Richard Petty bringing some cars from Petty's Garage here. And this one is the 2018 Camaro Supersport with the
3: proceeds from this car going to benefit Victory Junction. Victory Junction is a camp that we founded after Adam's accident for children with chronic and life-threatening diseases, free of charge to all children and their parents.
5: If you had kids that were handicapped, you'd look for a place like Victory Junction so remember that when you start bidding for this car. Thank
3: you. $15,000 and then for the kids, $15,000 under at $25, 50. 30 40 50 60000
9: Well, the uh, bid at fifty grand at no reserve.
3: I got fifty-five. 55. I got sixty. Last call at $65,000 and we have sold the car 60000 dollars Sold $60,000. Give a big round of applause. Very, very generous family for a very, very, very great cause.
9: Now, Benny Parsons, 1973 Chevelle, a true legitimate piece of NASCAR racing history. The seller of this car is right here with me, Tex Powell, and Tex was on the original crew the year the car won the championship. This car came from a different time in motorsports. Benny Parsons, his determination and his talent, along with a very small, by today's standards, crew. That's what won the championship. To beat Richard Petty for a championship, and that day and time was monumental. And this is the car that did it.
3: Sixty, seventy pounds, ninety. We're gonna be seventy, gonna be eighty. We're eighty pounds, ninety. We're gonna do seventy pounds, eighty pounds, ninety. Hey, 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 Ladies hey, and gentlemen, hey. reserves reserve off. off. Runners to the checkered flag. Ready for the checkered flag. Okay, she's going to the checkered flag. So $95,
9: $95,000. So $95,000. Very important part of NASCAR history, a championship winning car for
1: $95,000. Very cool. And you know, going back to Victory Junction, the 25th annual Kyle Petty Charity Ride is just a few months away. Seeing that just reminds you of all the special things that, that the NASCAR community does. And next up for Meekum, by the way, March 14th through 17th in Phoenix, that same weekend. Imsa hit Seabring, American Flat Track Riders will be in Daytona. Busy weekend, but speaking of Daytona, it's about to get really busy there. Less than an hour till duel number one. Let's head back down I-95 to check in with Marty and Jeff one more time. You guys made a wardrobe change.
4: You notice the wardrobe change, Krista. Yes, the energy picking up, the temperature dropping, and I want to mention the weather, Jeff, because it's talking about being 80 on Sunday. How much is the weather a factor at this racetrack?
5: Well, I think it's huge. You heard Steve talk about earlier in the in the show that teams don't go out and run in big packs anymore. So tonight's tonight, but it, it's going to be 80 on Sunday. The weather's going to be completely different. The cars are going to drive way better tonight than they're going to drive on Sunday. If if handling's going to matter, then everybody seems to think it is. You're not going to learn as much tonight as you hoped you would. You know,
4: one thing. We saw at Talladega last fall was the Fords work so well together. They have 14 in the field on Sunday. And Martin Truex Jr. told me yesterday that's not talked about enough about how big of an advantage that is for Ford. Do you agree with that?
5: No. And here's why. <laughs> Okay. Well, so listen, Stuart Haas dominated yeah. Talladega. There were four cars that drove away from the field, not 14. So I've heard that argument made a lot this week about there's so many Fords, but there were four that dominated that race. It wasn't all the Fords. So I think Stuart Haas had the, the dominance. Uh, obviously, they were fours, and that certainly helped with Robert Yates' uh, horsepower underneath the hood, Rates, Yates, uh, uh, Roush Yates' power, but it was that team that got it done, and Hendrick Motorsports beat them. They qualified first, second, third, fourth here to Daytona 500. At Talladega, they were fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, so they've stepped up their game, or the Fords aren't quite as strong.
4: All right, real quick, you got a pick for the Daytona 500?
5: Oh, uh, I'd like to watch this race, but you're not going to let me. uh, I'll let you do that. Jimmy Johnson, man, uh, his look in his eyes after that race on Sunday told me he's here to win. He got mad last year. Yeah. He's coming. Yeah, i go Jimmy Johnson.
4: I'm going to go Brad Kozlowski. I think he's still got to be aggressive, Krista, and be up front to be able to win this race.
1: All right, two strong picks. Thank you very much, guys. Of course, the duels tonight coming up in just a few minutes, 7 p.m. on FS1, the Daytona 500 Sunday on Fox. And after tonight, a lot easier to, to set your fantasy teams at NASCAR.com/slash/fantasy. Go ahead and join the NBC Sports League. You can compete against these guys. AJ, your first time, right, in the fantasy league?
2: This is my first time. Here's your so, picks. You know, I try to go off of who's going to be strong in Daytona. I like
1: I think that.
3: It's those
2: guys right there, Steve. <laughs>
3: <laughs> going right way right out of limo. I see. Well, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. Most of I like Chris Buescher in the garage. That's a nice adjustment, maybe off the beaten path a little bit. Bigger at early. he might be your guy. My garage drivers, I think, are going to surprise people as well. So when I take a look at my picks, I have a lot of the same people. Right? Joe Logano, great plate mm-hmm. racer. Denny Hamlin, so close in so many Daytona 500s. He has 1-1. One, one. I think he repeats. Brendan gone. assuming he makes the field, I can still adjust it. Assuming he makes the field tonight in the 150s, I have Brendan gone. Guys, think of this. Three of the last four Daytona races, Brendan Gaughan, the little engine that could, he's been in the top 12.
1: The little engine that could. The little engine that could. Okay, so you go to the NBC Sports League and each week you compete against Steve, AJ, and then you can talk trash. Uh, against them right when when your team beats
3: yes and just so you know if you don't perform well you will know about it on this show oh (laughs) awesome i look forward to that thank you
1: yeah Uh, here's the cool thing about doing this show with so many different racing series to talk about you know the hour is going to fly by and it did we will see you back here next thursday for another installment of the Motorsports hour until then enjoy the 500 the daytona 500 on sunday have a great weekend we'll see you next week